Welcome back to another episode of That's So Chronic with me, Jess Bryan. In case you've been living off-grid without any communication from the outside world and you've missed the last six days, the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics have kicked off and it is, quite frankly taking over my life. Things are heating up over in Tokyo and I'm excited to bring you this special highlights and hype episode covering what's been happening at the Paralympic Games so far and what you don't want to miss. In this episode we hear from Paralympic bronze medalist Rory McSweeney. I think there might have been about 20,000 odd people when I was competing and that was just like so cool. And friend of the podcast Lauren Dewhurst. So in the zone I ended up getting sent to the sin because I broke a rule because I was busy focusing on everything else. As well as me because I've got some fun facts that I've uncovered throughout the week that I think you're gonna love. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Well now they're away. Sophie Pastor becomes the new Paralympic champion. Not enough to win the gold medal here. She's Paralympic Come on for New Zealand. All right, so we need to chat about the opening ceremony. If you haven't seen it yet, let me paint a picture for you. We are in the big stadium. It starts with a beautiful moment where the national flag of Japan is brought in. And it's incredibly moving, right? Because we're invited to take a moment to think about the past year that we've all collectively experienced as a world. And I mean, the stadium is empty, basically completely empty, which really hits that message home as well. There's a beautiful song. And then we arrive at the para airport. I'm sorry, but this was so freaking cool. We then, with lights and humans and props, we get to see the inner workings of the para airport. And if anyone's been to drama school, then there's that drama game where, as a group, you all have to be a machine. And this is essentially what this is, but it's actually really amazing. The commentator mentioned something about it being about a Japanese puppet, so I've done a quick Google for us, and it's the Karakuri Puppets. Now, They are traditional puppets made from the 17th century to the 19th century and the doll's gestures provided a form of entertainment. The word karakuri has also come to mean mechanisms or trick in Japanese. It is used to to describe any device that evokes a sense of awe through concealment of its inner workings. And my friend Rebecca is a puppeteer and a puppet maker so that's also why I whenever anyone mentions puppets all my ears prick up all my ears my two ears prick up and I'm like oh I need to learn everything about that as you can see we're seeing the inner workings of the para airport the commentator also says that I think there's 75 performers in the opening ceremony and they got 5,500 people auditioned to be a part of it so that's really cool for them and then my notes just suddenly go dramatic exclamation mark amazing exclamation mark circus exclamation mark like it was all happening so fast and I just couldn't keep up and I was getting more and more excited because because to be honest I've probably been getting a bit of imposter syndrome being a performer in this sporting world this week you know so then when there was circus I was like oh that's what I know I just 
I just immediately felt more connected to the Paralympics in that moment. So then we see Chinese pole, there's juggling. Um, I think someone's juggling three balls and then there's also contact juggling as well. There's double dutch skipping rope, which during the skipping rope number, there is a performer jumping over their rope in their wheelchair, which was so cool. And lots of dancing, lots of colour. And sorry if I lose you in this moment, but... There was this moment throughout the opening ceremony where I just suddenly was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful because when I got diagnosed with MS while I was at drama school, I was auditioning for things and my hospital appointments and medical stuff just and my health, I guess, just always got in the way. And then when I had a slight industry shift and decided to hang out more in the circusy circles and do festivals and be a street performer and all of that sort of jazz... Those opportunities never, ever, ever clashed with my MS. And it just felt like a sign that circus and street performing was definitely more what I should be doing. And then when there was circus happening at the Paralympics in the opening ceremony, I was just like, oh my God, it's a sign. Everything is going to be okay. Um, Now, yes, I know that I probably lost some of you, but I'm back. Okay, sports. Let's do this. Opening ceremony. So then we're at the para airport and we arrive at the arrivals hall and all of the teams enter in the Japanese alphabet order. There was a gut-wrenching moment actually when the Afghanistan flag came out. The two para-athletes that were going to compete in the Paralympics for Afghanistan obviously had to withdraw as they couldn't make it to Tokyo, which is just heartbreaking. But it was really special that they decided to carry their flag in by a volunteer as a mark of solidarity. The rest of the teams enter and New Zealand and a couple of other countries aren't there. Paralympics NZ made the decision to not attend the opening ceremony to mitigate the risk of any athletes being exposed to the virus, which in hindsight was a really good decision because there are cases popping up in the Paralympic village at the moment. And the NZ team had their own celebrations in their athlete bubbles instead, instead of the traditional flag bearer roles in the team. Sophie Pascoe and William Steadman were named as the Hapai Kata. Okay, and then a plane arrives, and by plane, I mean a 13-year-old girl who plays the part of a little one-winged plane in her wheelchair. It's a beautiful dance spectacle, and we learn that she dreams of being able to fly one day. She sees the other planes, and she wishes that she could have that, not realizing that those planes also have differences, and that their confidence and resilience has been what actually helped them find the courage to fly. We then hear from the Japan Olympics minister who says the time has come for social change. Para-athletes show the infinite power of human beings. We then have a speech from the Paralympic Committee President Andrew Parsons who also says great things like difference is a strength, it is not a weakness and the Paralympics is a platform for change but we need to do our bit every day to be inclusive. After that, there's a moment where the Paralympic flag moves through the stadium and then, seriously, you are not going to believe this. You are actually not going to believe it. We then have a freaking rock band play decked out in their neon costumes and like this lit 
futuristic bus sort of thing and it's absolutely wild and so much fun and the performers with impairments are at the heart of all of this as well like I think I saw a violinist with a prosthetic arm playing the violin and it's just so full-on and so amazing and eventually this performance from this incredible rock band is what ultimately gives the one wing plane the confidence and the strength to fly and take off from the para airport and the final message is we have wings and then the flame is lit there are fireworks all over the place and that's it told you it was so awesome they were really holding out on us at the olympics because the paralympics opening ceremony was so good and then it all kicked off Day one, we started in the pool with Jesse Reynolds swimming well in the S9 400 meter freestyle with a time of four minutes 30, I believe. Uh, he didn't qualify for the finals, but I'm really looking forward to catching him in the 100 meter backstroke later in the week. Inside the velodrome, Sarah Ellington, Anna Taylor and Nicole Murray rode exceptionally well. Anna Taylor broke a Paralympic record during her first race, which was the 3000 meter individual pursuit. C4. And then just to show the level of the day, that Paralympic record was broken again in the qualifying round. Also riding in the 3000 meter individual pursuit C4 race was Emily Petricola from Australia who did go on to win gold. Emily has MS or multiple sclerosis and I sort of underestimated how that would actually feel watching somebody who also lives with MS win a gold medal and yeah it was really amazing and really empowering to see another para-athlete that's on my radar and who you can also look out for who also has MS is Kadena Cox from Great Britain she's competing in cycling and athletics and I actually watched her win a gold medal in the velodrome as well and that was amazing because when she was getting her medal her hand was doing exactly what my hand does and I had honestly never seen that on my TV before. So yeah, that was something else. We then saw Nicole Murray ride for bronze in the 3000 meter individual pursuit C5, just missing out and ultimately placing fourth. Now, I'm not even going to try to pretend to you all listening at home that I understand track cycling at all. But I did learn a fun fact while watching this coverage. Due to the humidity and altitude that's needed inside the velodrome, it can get so hot in there. And so when you're entering and leaving, there are two doors to keep all the air in there. So, you know, like if you're leaving, you open one door, that door then closes, you wait a couple of seconds, you open the next door and then you can like leave and go outside. You learn something every day. And then, of course, in day one, we also saw the Wheel Blacks start their campaign playing against USA for their first pool match. The final score was 63 to the United States and 35 to New Zealand. But speaking of wheelchair rugby, a lot of you will remember the incredible Lauren Dewhurst from her interview episode about her diagnosis of Mick EDS. Now, I know that most of you know her from that because I can see on my little dashboard 
that her episode is in the top three of the most downloads of an episode ever. So thank you for supporting and I love that you've been listening to Lauren's episode. But what you might not know about Lauren is that she also plays wheelchair rugby for the Otago Wheelanders. So I thought who better to chat wheelchair rugby with than Lauren herself? Wheelchair rugby, it actually is affectionately known as Murderball, which, yeah, back in the day, that was kind of an unofficial official name, but it's really hard to get funding for sports that have the the name Murder in the title. So, (laughs) yeah, it's now just wheelchair rugby. But, yeah, I've been playing it for a few years now, and for someone who doesn't have the best mobility, you know, I value it so much because it, makes it enables me to run it enables me to play a sport with a team and to really enjoy myself and I think it's been a great way to keep fit and to meet new people and learn new skills and things and seeing the wheel blacks on the world stage like that at the Paralympics for the first time in so many years is just very exciting and I think it hits differently when you also know the team. And so it's really cool to see some of my good friends playing um, and representing our country. That is amazing. So the rules of wheelchair rugby. So when I was listening to a lot of the commentators talking about it, they were saying that it's played on a basketball court. It is rugby. It also is similar to American football. And there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. Correct me if I'm wrong. They have 40 seconds to score a try and 12 seconds to get over the halfway mark. Yes, that's right. So that's adding so much like pressure onto this game. It is one of those games where when you're playing and you look at the clock and it's counting down for each of those plays, it can get very stressful. So you sort of have to just be in the moment and not think too much about it. But Yes, um, at my last competition, because I was so in the zone, I ended up getting sent to the sin bin because I broke a rule. Oh, <laughs> I was no. busy focusing on everything else. But yeah. Yeah. There is a lot to think about when you're playing on the court. Is it four players at a time? Yes. So in wheelchair rugby, there will be four players on one team at any one time on the court. Yeah. And what, what happens is those four players, they are – able to equal a total of eight points so different players are allocated a different number of points or like a different classification depending on their level of impairment so with wheelchair rugby um, you need to have some sort of loss of function in at least three limbs okay Uh, so there'll be some people who have got really poor function who will only be a 0.5 or maybe a 1, 1.5 worth of points. And then you'll have people who are like 3.5. Right. So then you add those all together. And as long as they don't equal any more than eight, unless you have a female playing in which you're Ah. able to have 8.5 points because females are minus 0.5 off any female on the court. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And it's, it's awesome to see there's four females, I believe, playing at the Paralympics this year. There aren't any females in Team New Zealand, unfortunately, but it is a real advantage having a female on the court because you do get a little bit more of it up with points and things yeah. like that. And because it is, yeah, it's a mixed sport, isn't it? So yeah. male and female can both play in the same team, which is so cool. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's nice actually because I know, I know for me growing up, you know, I only really played against other girls in sport. Mm. And so to sort of be in a team where... Uh, it is mixed. It's quite a different culture and it's quite fun because 
you know, just because, for example, I'm a girl doesn't mean that the guys go easy on me, you know. No. They still just tackle as hard as they want and, you know, if they're going to flip you, they're going to flip you. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are. They're out, out to win. So it's really cool, actually, being able to play together and it's fantastic to see those four women as well um, representing their countries on the world stage and really showing that anybody can play. You don't need to be a tough ex-rugby player who got a spinal injury you can be you know yeah anyone and so you mentioned that yeah it used to be called murder ball yes is it scary when you get out there on the court because I'm watching some of these tackles and it just looks scary have you been are you scared at all uh it's Yes, long story short, yes. <laughs> and I think um, sometimes it can depend who's on the court. Yeah. So some of the bigger players, you know, the ones that are really tall and muscly, they're absolute units as they charge charge at you. And it's, I mean, wheelchair rugby in a roundabout way is a little bit like high-speed bumper cars. Yeah. So you're sort of just smashing into other people, you know, who are trying to get the ball off you and, if you get hit and you get flipped or if you, you know, go up in the air because you can get some air as well, I'm yeah. sure you've seen in the games, it's it's it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's very scary sometimes too. <laughs> but, you know, it, it can be quite an intense game. And when I did first start playing, believe it or not, I used to scream every time someone tackled me. Yeah. And initially it was kind of funny and people thought it was a great tactic to sort of scare <laughs> the other team away. But quite quickly, it became a bit annoying. So luckily, I'm a bit braver now and I can take pretty strong hits without getting too scared. But it definitely has its moments. And when you do end up flipping out or, you know, um, falling sideways or getting a lot of air and your life flashes before your eyes, it can be a little bit, whoa. But that's what makes it kind of so fun as well and such a cool sport to watch. I was watching a little mini documentary style piece on the highlights program that was on TVNZ1 this morning and they were showing when Will Black's captain Cody Everson when it was his first time on the court playing wheelchair rugby they had a little clip of that and they said that he was just in the middle and then all of the other players just took turns just crashing into him and that was his like baptism by fire and I think that's the best (laughs) way to learn as well because until you're actually on the court and in a game you know you don't really know what that experience is going to be like. And so getting it out of the way nice and early like they did with Cody, I think, is really smart. And, I mean, gosh, look look where he is now. You know, he's representing his country, um, captaining our incredible team. So, yeah, it's, it's so cool to see Cody's growth in particular, actually, since his spinal cord injury when he was playing rugby in high school to now see him on the world stage is, is awesome. And I think that... He's a really good player, as are all of the Will Blacks. Have you had any favourite moments throughout these games? Oh, gosh. I've got to say, um, that very first game the Will Blacks played against Team USA, just from the minute that, you know, they came onto the court and uh, all lined up and had their national anthem and then the boys did the haka. You know, I was an emotional train wreck. I think for me that was just such a moment yeah. and I was just so, so proud to to be a Kiwi and so excited to see a sport that I love so much on TV and to have friends messaging me saying, yeah. oh my gosh, wow, this sport's amazing. I thought just being able to share that with the world was so special. And then also I think 
moments in that game where Barney, oh. Barney, Barney, Barney. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so, so stoked that Barney got the opportunity to go to Tokyo because he actually wasn't, you know, originally in our lineup. Yes, I saw online that he was working on his business, which is a ride share yes. app for marginalized people, either people with disabilities or people with pets or for women, which is so cool. So and cool. yeah, well, he wasn't training and working towards Tokyo being the goal. And then no. I think someone dropped out yes. and he, he was there. Yeah, so Cameron Leslie, who is also very well known for his efforts in the pool at the Paralympics, he's actually just very recently in the last few weeks had a child. And so yeah, so instead he had to make the tough decision. I mean, ultimately family always is going to come first, yeah. but make the decision to have to step down from the team and give his plane seat to Tokyo to someone else and I'm so stoked that Barney got to go because far out Barney has had some incredible plays yeah and it's been so cool to see him really doing his thing and I think as a team they've worked really well together and that really started to show towards the end of their second game you know it's been a bit of a, a slow start you know but there have been some really beautiful moments and I'm so excited to see how they go tonight playing against Canada. Definitely one of my favourite moments in the first game was when Cody went backwards to score the try. <laughs> Does that happen? Is that normal? Like, is that a common thing that happens? Because I loved that moment. Yeah, so no, I think when it comes to sc- to scoring tries you you want to get the ball over the line however you can and yeah so it does happen but it certainly isn't the traditional route but yeah yeah I think that was a very clever play from Cody because as you would have seen with all of the players defending that key it can oh, be yeah. really hard to get the ball where you want it to be so the fact he was able to do that I think was so clever yeah I really enjoyed that moment too actually because that's using your initiative because if you get overwhelmed and threatened by too many people then you know you're gonna you're gonna fumble the ball and probably not score but he he was cool calm collected yeah and backwards he went so it was so yeah, it was great fantastic. there is another rule that I noticed that once the ball goes over the halfway mark mm-hmm. and it's towards the side where you're scoring yes if the ball goes back over the other half you're not allowed to pick it up first Yes, you lose position, yeah. (laughs) I think there was a couple of times where that just really, I was like, why does this rule happen? You know, No, it's definitely a game of strategy as well. And I think already um, we've definitely seen that with some of these plays where uh, the time will be ticking down and players will just hold the ball because you can have possession of the ball for 10 seconds before you need to pass or dribble it. And so, you know, they just sit there and wait and look yeah and you know a lot of the time players will just sit there also and wait and look and then bam they'll do something and you know if you're not careful you miss your chance day two we headed back to the pool to see our most decorated paralympian sophie pascoe compete in the 100 meter sb8 breaststroke heats and final this was an incredible watch because sophie was originally not actually going to compete in this race it was a last minute entry but holy moly what a swim i was like shouting at the tv in the finals alan Keane from ireland just pipped her at the post so sophie got a silver medal for new zealand in that race sophie made an emotional speech saying 
I gave it absolutely everything and really tapped into my inner mindset. I'm just stoked to get a silver medal at the Paralympics in Tokyo. This is a silver medal for my country and I will stand up on that podium with pride. She is so amazing. She will also compete in the 100 meter backstroke on Monday, 100 meter freestyle on Tuesday, 200 meter individual medley on Wednesday, and finally the 100 meter butterfly on Thursday. So make sure you're watching that. Alan Keane did an interview with RTE, Ireland's National Public Service Media, and she said, when I dove in, my goggles filled up with water. I'm glad that that happens to the best of us, you know. And then to round out day two, the Will Blacks versus Great Britain in another game of wheelchair rugby. Great Britain took the win with 60 points, New Zealand 37, but their boys played so well in that game. Before we continue with the highlights and a recap of this past week, I want to introduce you to New Zealand Paralympian Rory McSweeney. Rory won a bronze medal in Javelin in Rio 2016, and he had some time to sit down with me this week to give me an insight into what it's like competing on the world stage. But first, here's a little bit about Rory. How I lost my leg, I was three years old and I got run over by a truck. So there's not a lot to there other than I was just sort of mucking around the park, got away from mum and was with another kid running across the road for fun, being little rascals basically. And so I got clipped just on my foot. So truck crushed my foot, they took it off and I became a baloney amputee. So I grew up with that and there was sort of all sorts of different challenges along the way, I suppose, like losing your leg when you were young, you obviously continue to grow. So a lot of surgeries as a kid right up till i was 17 actually is when i had my last operation which is a little bit different to losing your limb as an adult where you're fully grown you lose your leg you, away you go kind of thing into rehab and walking on a prosthetic and i had thrown javelin once when i was 13 at school that was sort of like and i had a teacher that actually said to me rory you're a javelin thrower you know come to these trains you're a javelin thrower which was quite funny and but I never threw the javelin again until I was 25. And so basically, I had a lot of problems with my leg. I was sort of dislocating my knee so many times. And I, I loved sport. And I'd sort of gone through a period of not playing sport just because it was like too hectic with my injuries and stuff. But I was at the Lumber Centre one day. They were recruiting. It was called Accelerate to excellence and they were looking for athletes to compete in london 2012 and so basically it's got this brochure i left the limb center i was like i'm gonna be a paralympian like i had this feeling i knew it and and it felt really good i was excited because i was at like a strange place in my life where things hadn't been going too well and i've been i guess searching but like with no idea what i was going to do and this was all of a sudden just like this is what I'm going to do. I asked Rory if he knew from the beginning if it was going to be Javelin that he competes in. I had no idea what it was going to be. So how do you decide? So like I'm looking at this brochure. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm like, but I'm thinking I can do something. And so I put my name down as a cyclist. And so that was the first thing they tested me for, which was absolutely embarrassing. I got obliterated. I had no fitness at all. So that didn't go so well. And um, they just said, one guy who was running at Malcolm Hum said, have you ever thrown a javelin? And I was like, um, yeah, like 12 years ago, I threw a javelin at school. He's like, come and have a go. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, th I like threw really well in this testing, like strangely well. Like it's not an easy thing to throw. 
and basically they said look if you want to start training for this we can put some support around you and yeah i started out pretty primitively in wellington i'd like train at these playgrounds and i'd catch a bus and a train into newtown park a bus a train and a bus again into newtown park and i did it for like six months before moving to dunedin to sort of train full-time with the paracoach railing baits who was based down in dunedin and a few other athletes that were down there and sort of set myself on my journey that was sort of mid 2009 i started yeah i just kept training and um, went to world champs 2011 2013 2015 I had a knee reconstruction in 2014, um, 2015, I like tore a ligament in my elbow. So I had it, like, it wasn't easy. Uh, there was still lots of challenges of the sport and, but I just kept going, kept going. I had a bone stress and sort of, and leading to Rio, so it was a really tough campaign. Um, I wasn't throwing well the last season I'd been like on fire. So I was like, yes, this is like so good. I'm going to the Paralympics and right before I left, I had this back injury and it was it's just really bad but I got there I got there and like destroyed my shoulder and Rio's so, you know having a shoulder surgery as well so that's sort of so I was really like a one-hit wonder but I got this cool opportunity to go and win a medal and yeah I think it was just a good experience that really like turned my life into a good a good thing yeah already you can see that Rory is an incredible athlete and the road to the bronze medal in Rio was a journey so this is when I decide to hit him with my hard-hitting journalism skills. Is staying in the Paralympic Village as fun as we all think it is from the outside? <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it's it's very cool. It's, it's cool, like, in your team, because, like, athletics is its own little sport and you go to your own athletics world championships and travel your team. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you come to the Paralympics and you've got this big New Zealand team like at the moment you've got 29 athletes and about 34 support staff in Tokyo so yeah. you've got 65 or 60 odd people there and so that's really cool and so you get to mix and mingle with different athletes um, that you wouldn't normally and and then of course you've got that right across the nations too right so you've got yeah. a lot of people staying in this this village so no, it, it's very cool and Again, it's just like quite unique, you know, like I don't think there's another sporting event like it where you have yeah. such an array of sports and athletes. It's just bigger and better than any other competition you'll ever attend. So it's, it is exciting. Yeah. And especially with it only being every four years, I imagine the lead up is just like, because it's not every every year, it makes it even more exciting when you're there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It was like, yeah, no, everybody is like super hyped training for it. And then you do sort of pre-camps and stuff. And no, it's very cool when you, you arrive and it's just, yeah, it is just a big stage, you know, I guess there's not many many other stages like it it's just a unique sporting event same as the olympics but i think in parasport it's slightly different in that we don't have year in year out competition against yeah. our competitors so basically i would have three competitions against them every four years wow um, two world championships and a paralympics and the rest of the time you're just away training doing your own thing imagining wow <laughs> um, that must be incredibly, yeah. like, isolating. Yeah, I mean, you compete, like, I'd compete domestically and mm. go to Australia and you would, I suppose, compete with local Paralympians and able-bodied athletes as well. 
But in terms of uh, not isolating, but absolutely like when you got the chance to compete against fellow amputees or, or whatever the case may be, it was like a huge buzz and it was, you know, go time yeah. and something that was a real privilege. It's just, yeah, it is just a big stage, you know, it's just, there's, there's more athletes. Yeah. There's more sports, there's more media, there's more spectators, there's more coverage. And so there's more hype and it's just, and everybody that's competing, it's the pinnacle for them and they want to do well. So there's like a real edge to the to the competition mm-hmm. as well the actual arena like competing was next level it was so cool because in rio ticket sales just went through the roof i think in rio they had more people in the stadium than they did or in the whole park than they did during the olympics for the paralympics yeah it i think they did amazing yeah yeah no and that that the crowd there was so cool they were just they loved it i think no, it was amazing. Yeah, so so unique. Like I love that environment. It was just like I don't know how many people there were there. I think there might have been about twenty thousand odd people when I was competing. And that was just like so cool. Just it's just yeah. like the energy, you know, like that you get from that many people. It's that was yeah, that's like once in a lifetime opportunity, right? I was watching an interview with Dame Sarah Story, the Great Britain's like, she's on track to be the best Paralympian for Great Britain. Mm. And she was saying this year that obviously racing in a pandemic is really hard. And it's not until you cross that finish line and that's when you really click that like none of your friends and family are here to celebrate and how empty everything is. How do you think the New Zealand Paralympians will be feeling with no spectators this year in Tokyo. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Eh? I saw uh, the Dame Sarah story. I saw her win a goal the other night, actually. Yeah, it's different. I suppose that's one of the cool things about the games is it's, it's the spectators. And so they won't have mm-hmm. that. It's still a fantastic environment. There's still going to be the same kind of competition. And cool. it's like a lot of things like, you step back from something and you and, and, and you reflect on it and that's when you can kind of like take it all in anyway. Like I know like competing in Rio, you don't even absorb the occasion until you've had the chance to look back. It's like yeah. the journey versus the destination, you know? Like the destination obviously is great, but it's like it's often the journey that makes that destination mean even more. Um, yeah. And so an event comes and goes and you might perform or you might not but sort of how you got there is probably more important. And so I think hopefully Tokyo is sort of goes down in history as a bit of an anomaly games and is not sort of the start of a new normal for how we do yeah. these competitions. But um, Oh yeah, my God, I be, wish I had a crystal ball and could just see the future, whether COVID sticks around or not. Like we just have no idea. Yeah, I know. And I can't believe Tokyo can just... Can, get the games on you know like they're having five thousand yeah. cases a day like can you imagine new zealand like we're i know <laughs> lockdown is like 60 cases a day like stay home no nothing's on nothing's open yeah it's just wild and i can imagine the adrenaline pumping through all of the para athletes must just be like 10 times more you know with it being in the middle of a pandemic totally it's totally. incredible yeah so what have you been enjoying in the Paralympics so far are there any highlights well there's been I've watched quite a bit of swimming um, yeah. there's been a bit of that that on the S1 swimming is incredible yeah it's it's actually next level like I'm, I'm watching a, a guy do backstroke 
and he has half an arm. Yeah. Like that's all he has and like the guts and determination to do that. Yeah. Is it's actually mind blowing. Like seeing events like that I really enjoy. Just super inspiring. Like backstroking with no arms and just like yeah. legs only. Like how exhausting must that be? Yeah. So so those those athletes are super inspiring. Obviously it's Pasco won her silver last night. Yes. I didn't see it. I watched her heat, but I didn't see a final. I was like shouting at the TV last night. I was like, Go Sophie but yeah, that Ellen Keane, she she just was not letting up at all. She was with Sophie the whole way. It was incredible. So did she pepper at the post? Yeah, just right at the end. Oh, wow. It that was, was the same as the heat. Yeah, it was so intense. Far out. Yeah. Good racing. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. The, the, the wheelchair rugby has been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I've watched a couple of games of that. That's really awesome. Good to see the, um, the Will Blacks back after like 13 years of not being there. So, yeah, no, that's that, those events have been really cool. Obviously, cycling, I've watched a bit of that. And then athletics starts today. So yes. that's my little fave athletics. yeah so that's what you're forward. the most looking forward to yeah definitely there's it's a, like it's quite a big team for new zealand eight athletes and i reckon there's like three good gold medal chances <gasps> so i reckon anna grimaldi in the long term she she's like gold medalist from rio she's had like a tough four years broken foot but she's like jumping so well. I reckon she's going to defend, get a get a cheeky little gold again. <gasps> Holly, I really hope Holly Robinson does well in the javelin because she like I've competed with her and trained with her for so long, and she's like silver medal, silver medal, silver medal. I think like the last five major championships yeah. in a row, she's had silver. And Holly Arnold of the UK has taken the gold, but she's now the world record holder, Holly Robinson. Okay. So, New Zealand. so she's going in the world record holder. So I hope she can do it. Because, yeah. Uh, oh, she just deserves it. So that's going to be a good one. And then obviously Lisa, mm-hmm. world record holder. I, she's just, she's got the Adams genes. Like who's could possibly stop her? I don't think yeah. anyone can. Uh, so there's those. There's, and there's like Will Steadman from Christchurch. He's going to be really cool. So you got two bronze in, in Rio, but the Russians are back. So that'll like yeah. throw in a little spanner in the mix for him. But I think he'll go well. He's also like, grown a lot in five years it's five years not four years this time yeah 2020 games in 2021 there's lots there's lots of like really exciting athletes in that in the athletics Rory was not wrong to be excited about what was coming up over the next couple of days. Friday saw Anna Taylor and Nicole Murray race well at the Velodrome in the 500 metre time trial C4-5, with Anna placing 8th and Nicole 6th. And then, of course, we got our first gold medal. Tupo Nuefi took a commanding lead in the pool during the 100 meter backstroke S8 final and she won. It was so amazing to watch live. The Wheel Blacks played Canada in an incredible game of wheelchair rugby, but Canada took the win 51-36. to And in the shot put F37, Ben Tuomasevi threw well, placing ninth overall. He said, I'm sad, but I'm happy that I left it all out on the field. 
And Saturday, or yesterday, was a quiet morning for New Zealand with things heating up in the evening. Lisa Adams and Caitlin Dore competed in the women's shot put final, Danielle Aitchison in the women's 200m T36 heats, and William Steadman in the men's 400m T36 heats. Unfortunately, this podcast has to go out on the internet before the final results had come in for all of those. But for all of the latest information, head to at ParalympicsNZ on Instagram where you can see all of the results. I also asked Lauren what she was looking forward to over the next week. I think for me, I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit more of the para-equestrian. Cool. I think that's going to be really cool. I think that's quite a, I don't know, I really enjoyed the equestrian at the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. So I think the Paralympics is going to be really cool as well. Yeah. Uh, I also think that the regardless of whether or not the Wheel Blacks are playing, the uh, final for the wheelchair rugby is going to be amazing yeah. i think there's some really strong teams out there so that final is going to be intense it will be interesting to see if it's australia back in the final yeah i don't know does that mean we need to cheer for them if it's australia yeah. you know <laughs> since we're neighbors yeah you know, we, we didn't quite make it but we'll cheer for yeah no i i just hope that it's a team that has a, a female player because oh, I, yes. I it makes me so happy seeing seeing those women playing and you know proving that you know, you can keep up with the boys and yeah. that, yeah, I think it's it's going to be very cool. It's going to be a late night. And I think my sleep schedule's completely gone out the window already, yeah. but it's well worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. To see these sports. Oh, I don't want it to end, to be no. honest. I just, I love the fact that, you know, the Olympics are great, but that was just the warm-up act. Absolutely. Now we've got the Paralympics and it's just, yeah, so great. So great indeed. Perhaps you're in lockdown and you're looking for some extra Paralympics content to consume, then I do recommend checking out the Lisa Adams Para-Athlete documentary on TVNZ On Demand or AttitudeLive.com. It's just 45 minutes and it's a really good insight into the behind the scenes of training and what goes into representing New Zealand at the Paralympics. And make sure you've downloaded the NZ Team app going into the final weekend because the push notifications are super handy. Paralympics NZ over on their Instagram at Paralympics NZ have also been sharing daily graphics with what's on so you won't miss out on any of the action. If you've enjoyed this episode why not share it with someone who you think would enjoy it as well? I was absolutely blown away by the response to the first Paralympics 101 episode. So as always, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. I'll see you soon though, because it is the last Tuesday of the month next week. So I'll see you on Tuesday for a That's So episode. And join me back here next Sunday for a recap of the final week and a That's So Chronic exclusive. That's So Chronic exclusive right now. I love it. Yeah, normally I wouldn't release that sort of information. I keep my cards close to my chest, you know, but there you go. It's shaping up to be a great week in Tokyo and I am so excited. I hope you have a lovely rest of your week and make sure that you tune in and watch the Paralympics from wherever you're listening in from. See you soon. Well, now they're away. Don't be fast, Tony. Comes the new Paralympic.